Hello and welcome to another episode of Casting Into the Fire podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Sherry. And we're back to Red Wall again. Um, as we left off, Matthias was and Warbeak were just getting to the um, the Sparrow Loft, and they opened up that trap door, and the sparrows had pretty much pounced Matthias. So we're we're back to that again. It introduces Dunwing, the mother of Warbeak, and sister of King Bullspira. And she was a widow, and when Warbeak was hit by the arrow, she figured that Warbeak was dead. And she's overjoyed to get Warbeak back alive, and um, Warbeak is explaining her story. And all this time, Matthias is being held down by a lot of Sparrow Warriors at once. And uh, from what he can see, this is a big loft, and this is, like, kind of under the apex of the roof. And it's full of messy-looking nests filled with baby sparrows, and one end of the loft is blocked (coughs) off with um, roofing slates and nesting material, and that's... Um, the king's private chamber. King Bullsparrow shows up and he gives Matthias a kick and um, asks in the Sparrow talk what what mouse worm want in the court of the king. Yeah, and Matthias says that uh, he was just returning the brave young warrior, meaning uh, Dungwing's offspring, Warbeak. And he actually had uh, more in mind than than that, because he was there to retrieve... Uh, the the sword the that sword. he strongly suspects is there. Yeah, he he suspects that the sword is somewhere there, and um, it wouldn't exactly do it to tell King Bull that. Right. Um. Anyhow, uh, King Bull Sparrow didn't believe him <laughs> said not help spara mouse enemy king bull spara kill say killy enemy killy killit um and the soldiers piled on top of matthias jabbing and clawing and pecking and uh he managed to get a, a paw free and dealt some hefty blows to some of the sparrows um, but uh, Warbeak and Dunwing were attempting to shelter him and protect him from the blows 
and yeah, War Beak is um, saying that the mouse's story is the truth that he saved War Beak and and uh, anyhow also that uh, him saving Warbeak and he had been Matthias had been given spare a word to Mouse that you would not kill him so it would be breaking the word of Sparrow to to do that and and the king like instantly is calling all his soldiers fools for attacking Matthias even though he just ordered it um and doesn't uh, don't kill no killy mouse they have the sparrow word of his sister's egg chick meaning warbeak yes and then king bull orders the sparrow warriors to search the bag that the mouse is carrying and they open it up and they go through the little bitties carried and they're like, it's not worms, it's only mouse food. Which you'd think they'd still want that. The mouse food's pretty good. I mean, what bird's gonna churn that? But then... Um, they find the bag of candy chestnuts. And open it up, and... Uh, King Bull tries it, and... Um, decides it's delicious, and... Claims it all for himself. And, yeah, he takes the the chestnuts and then he picks up a collar and lead and uh, the same one that he used on Warbeak to bring oh, okay. her yeah I, I was wondering that and uh, beckoned to Matthias and anyhow the spirit king buckled the collar tightly around Matthias's neck Scarcely giving him room to breathe. And Matthias found that very humiliating, and he's um, promising himself mentally that he's never going to put a collar on any other living creature again. And Warbeak... Um, no. Bullspera gives Matthias to Warbeak as a pet. A pet. And also a servant basically make saying to make him work and not leave and kick him and yeah so it said no wander no stray give plenty work much kick like this and um yeah Bolspera um tries to kick him and Matthias gets up and puts on a silly face and starts like dancing around and singing a silly song um, up higher than before I'm near the roof indeed the king gave me a collar his sister holds the lead and he's just dancing around and singing this over and over again Bullspera decides that he's crazy I think he's hurt in the head brain and uh Matthias is just trying to 
make himself appear to be not dangerous. Not dangerous, and that maybe Bolspera would even forget he was there after you know a little bit. And yeah, Bolspera and his warriors are laughing at him, and I think I get the impression that they're not only laughing because of Matthias being funny, but they also don't want to be seen as not finding the king's joke funny. Um. And, uh. Anyhow, Warbeak gathered Matthias's gear together, repacking it in the torn haversack. And, and the king and some of the others, they go off to play a Spera gambling game called Three Feathers, which isn't described. How it's... Anyhow, um... Dunwing asked Matthias if he really was sick in the head. And, uh, Matthias explains that no, he isn't, but he hopes that the king and his warriors won't see him as a threat and will forget about him maybe and leave him alone, which as we just explained. Right. And Dunwing tells him he's doing the right thing because Bullspira is wicked and has a bad temper and sometimes Dunwing thinks that Bullspira is mad and it's best that Bullspira thinks he's harmless. And Matthias thanks um, Warbeak for my thanks, Dunwing, for interceding for him because that put her and Warbeak in danger to save him like that. And uh, Dunwing gave him food and refrained from putting worms and dead insects in it. See, the sparrows, when they go and collect food, they bring back worms, they bring back dead bugs, they bring back flowers and any kind of little fruits they can carry. And Matthias doesn't want to eat the bugs. He just wants um, the flowers and fruits. Um, that's one way Matthias is different from an actual mouse who would totally eat the bugs. Right. And a bit more about um, Dunwing. Um, she's the queen's sister. She sees royalty also. The king's sister. Yes. Yeah. Uh and her husband, she had been told, had been killed the previous spring in a battle with some starlings, and that he had saved the life of the king. As we'll get to a little later, this isn't precisely true. Right. Exactly. And the king had vowed to care for her and her daughter, but of course he forgot about it right that away. That wasn't true also. Only in moments of urgency would Dunwing remind him of his vow to take care of them knowing that Bullspira was a dangerous despot. Yeah. Uh, so normally Dunwing maintained a diplomatic silence in his presence. And as, as opposed to King caring for her and her offspring, it was actually she that cared for the king because um, the king was too lazy to get his own food. And so uh, Dunwing would actually go and gather food for the king. 
and the king would stay for days on end in his little blocked off chamber, and then he'd come out with some grandiose scheme or wild idea, and you know, get all his warriors riled up to go and do whatever this thing is. And he would do random promotions and demotions of his warriors in the ranks, and then he'd forget about it, and so you get the idea. He's a pretty erratic ruler. Um, not one you can trust or be safe with. Right. And with all of their uh, getting food, any kind of bug is worm. Even if it's a butterfly or a grasshopper, it's all worm. They don't cook any of it. Just eat it as is. And worm was also used to denote an enemy or a coward or anything alien to the sparrow. So that explains all this mouse worm talk. Right. They don't really do chores besides feeding the babies, which, you know, they have to do. Everything else, they're like, oh, we'll do this tomorrow, and it just never gets done. So they've got dirt and filth around everywhere. And Matthias um, found that he... uh could, for the most part, keep up with the sparrow language. Which, to be fair, isn't exactly difficult. Right, it was pretty simple, but also spoken fast at times, to the point where he even was wondering if they could understand each other if they were talking so fast. And Matthias didn't know whether Warbeak knew about his plan to look for the sword. Dunwing certainly didn't know. And he's kind of trying to look around the Sparrow Court as best he can without, you know, making it obvious what he's doing. And he's not seeing any sign of it. He'd like to look inside the King's Royal Apartment, but he hasn't gotten the opportunity yet. And he thinks it's been a night and a day, so not so much time has actually passed. And he keeps uh, keeping up his crazy um, act whenever a sparrow other than Dunwing or Warby gets too close to look at him. He would grin vacantly and strike up his song, and no one bothered to take much heed of him. And Warbeak is actually going to the trouble to make sure she brings Matthias flowers because she knows he likes that instead of the bugs. So, Warbeak brought dandelions for Matthias. And Matthias is wants the collar off because it's hurting his neck. And Warbeak apologizes and says the king is requiring that he wear it. Uh, He looks through 
his belongings again and actually finds a package of nut- candy chestnuts that the sparrows didn't get to yet. I don't know what these candy chestnuts are supposed to be like. I've We've both tried to candy chestnuts, both, both with honey and with sugar, and they were just kind of soft and squishy. They tasted all right. These, I always pictured... Um, I, I pictured them like the uh, candied walnuts I've had that are crunchy, sweet. <clears throat> uh, they have like a, a cinnamon sugary type glaze on it that uh, is baked on and... Uh, uh, yeah, I was also picturing hard, crunchy nuts with a sugar glaze, and I don't know if it's possible to make chestnuts come out this way, but I haven't figured it out yet. Right. And I don't see the squishy things really holding up well in a package like that. Right. And Matthias is glad to find these because he thinks he can um, use them when bargaining with the Sparrow King. Well, the Sparrow King had already taken one packet but Matthias found a second packet unopened. Yeah, that's it. He he thinks if he uh, keeps that to himself, maybe he can... Use uh, it as a bargaining tool. Yes. And also as an excuse to get into the private chambers of the king to take a gander around. And... Um, anyhow, Dunwing says that only she is allowed to go into the private chambers of Sparrow King. And he's, he being lazy, he doesn't make his own worm food, and he doesn't have a wife to do it for him. Well, that's good. I wouldn't want any to be stuck married to him. I know, but anyhow... Matthias tells Dunwing that he has a gift for the king and that, you know, he had uh, more nuts. And Dunwing was like, I don't know about that. And basically, why would you want to give the nuts to the king? And Matthias said, so the king will let me free. Um, that I want to go back to my mouse home. And, uh, anyhow, she said, we'll give it a try. Um, but remember, do not make Volspera bad temper, because he'll kill you. And, uh, so Matthias trailed behind her on his lead, and Dunwing tacked on the slates that formed the... King Volspera's wall. And, you know, right away, the king the fly away. He wants to sleep. And, uh, Dunwing, let let me in, king brother. It's Dunwing, crazy mouse worm, and they've got a gift for the great king. He pops his head out, and it's like, better be important. He doesn't like to be woken. And he... And Matthias comes in, and he sings his little song again, and he takes out a nut and puts it right into the king's open beak. And... And he giggles that the mouse worm finds more candy nuts for the big king sparrow. 
And and that maybe he'd give the king all the nuts and the king would let the mouse go home free. And, and the, yeah, the king is like, yeah, give the king all the nuts, but he's got great things on his mind. He'll think about it and maybe let the mouse go free. And Matthias offers up the nuts and the king is just like gobbling them all down. And all the while, Matthias is kind of looking around to see if there's any sign of the sword. And uh, the, the king has um, a straw pelias. I don't know that word. I, I don't either. I'm imagining like a mattress bed. I'm guessing it's a bed. Butterfly wings, a huge overstuffed old chair. Now, we were actually talking about this chair earlier. Um, like, is this like a big mouse chair or is this a people chair? Because. Well, Matthias describing it as huge makes me think it was not mouse size but larger. <coughs> See, it is known that the Abbey was built by the mice. But this is the first book, and uh, Brian Jakes hadn't really worked out how this world was gonna work yet. So like, maybe it's maybe it is a people chair, or maybe it's a chair for like, a badger. Right. Um. And sticking out of the back of the chair, there's an old-fashioned looking object made with black leather and lots of silver trimming, and it looked like the belt that Matthias had. And Matthias knew right away it was the scabbard of the sword, and he wondered if the sword was anywhere close by. Okay, I looked it up. Straw mattress. Okay, I was right. How's it pronounced? Uh, Pally S, I think. I, I think so. And Dunwing points out to the king that he ate the nuts, so can the mouse go home now? And the king is just says, more mouseworm got more candy nut gift from majesty. And Matthias is like, I don't have any more. I already gave you all of them. Could you let me go home? And the king said, I'll get you go home if you give me a whole lot more nuts, this many. And he spreads out his wings to show that many. And he'll give the sparrow word that he can go home if he can give that many. And Matthias is like, I don't have any more nuts. Now at this point, I feel like Matthias should have tried to bargain and be like, my home's full of these, why don't you let we, me go and I can... We will put, bring more and... Like, leave right them on the lawn the or, something. or something, yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll leave them for you. But yeah, I wondered that too. But, uh... It's not like their kitchen ever seems to run out of them. Right. And the king's just getting angrier and angrier. Mouseworm, get more and more... And, and then says, you know, go, majesty, sleep. So. And Dunwing pulls Matthias by the leash out of there because she sees that her brother has become dangerous again. And Matthias is, 
of course he's angry and he asks Dunwing why she lets the stupid oaf be king of the Sparrow. And Dunwing said, don't let him call you, hear you call him a stupid oaf because he'll kill you. And uh, all the Sparrows know that King Bull is a mighty fighter and he's saved the Sparrow tribe many times from enemies. And he's lazy and has a bad temper, but he's not stupid. He's sly like a fox. He only pretends to be stupid, like, like Matthias. Matthias. Yeah. And I don't think the craziness is quite pretended, though. Right, I don't either. <laughs> um. Anyhow, um. Dunwig had guessed that Matthias had gone to the chamber for reasons other than gaining his freedom. Uh, she was a very wise mother bird. And so Matthias decided to put all his cards on the table. And he tells the story about the mice who live in the abbey beneath and the one mouse in particular, Martin the warrior. And the sparrow listened intently as uh, Matthias told the story of Redwall Abbey and the part he was playing in its hour of need and Dunwing saw the truth in his open eyes and she said quietly Matthias Dunwing knew the first day you come here I see the belt you wear it's the same as the thing behind the chair in King's room um and then, as Matthias is starting to question, Dunwing silenced him, said, Sit still, now I tell you a story. And she tells about before her mother was an egg, there was a king called Bloodfeather, and that he stole the sword from the North Point. And how the sword made the sparrow folk proud, brave fighters, strong egg chicks, and much worm food to eat. Now, do you think it really did, or it was superstition? Well, it gave them a feeling, probably, of things going well, and because they felt that way, they probably made it happen. Uh, but, uh, anyhow, it hung in court of the sparrows, and... Anyhow, Bloodfeather died, and who knows how. I have sneaking suspicion that... Bull Sparrow might have done something. Yes. I, I, I suspect, and if there were more written on it, you'd probably find that Bull Sparrow had killed... Uh, Bloodfeather somehow. Bloodfeather. Blood I mean... You don't I, know for sure, but... I have but... no evidence, but it just seems to fit. And... Especially with that question kind of floating in the air. Um, but when Bull Spirit took over um, he started um, flying around, you know, wearing the sword on his expeditions. He didn't bring the scabbard because it was too heavy. And he would use the sword to dig up worms. And one day he was hunting <clears throat> in moss flower trees and 
uh, Dunwing's husband, Greytail, was with him, and anyhow, they came to a giant worm, one with poison teeth, called Asmodeus, and it's frightened Bullspera to the point of dropping his sword, and... The giant worm curled it around the sword handle to, I guess, pull it away. And Bullspera ordered Greytail to get the sword back. And Greytail tried, but was bitten by Asmodeus. And he was hurt bad, but he flew back to court with Bullspera. Which, to me, I think means he didn't get all that much venom, or he would not have been able to do that. Make but it that far. But he still... He died, but he told the true story to Dunwing before he died. In secret, so nobody else heard this. And Bullspera told his baloney story about the Starling fight. And Warbeak was still an egg at that point, and um, Warbeak did not know how his father had died other than the story that Bullspera had told. And Matthias uh, says that Greytail was a mighty warrior to face the poison teeth alone, and you should be glad Warbeak is his egg chick. And um, Matthias concludes that his quest has been in vain because the, the sword isn't still there. Um, but what about the scabbard? And Dunwing says that he that Bull Sparrow didn't want to is afraid to tell the other Sparrows that he doesn't still have the sword, and he pretends the sword is still in the case that is kept in his uh, chamber. And since only Dunwing can go in there, the others can't check to see. And if if she tells he's going to kill her and Warbeak, and she wants Warbeak to someday be queen, and you know, she'll treat the Sparrow folk better. Anyhow, uh, yeah, she finishes that with calling uh, Bull Sparrow a no-good crazy bird. And when Matthias go- settles down to sleep, he, you know, concludes that the giant worm with the poison teeth is a snake. And if it's got poison, poison it's, it's an, an adder. adder. Yeah. Um, obligatory nitpicky reptile person here being like, no, it's venom. Uh, and Matthias had never seen any kind of snake, let alone an adder. But he'd heard about snakes from others, and to them, an adder is half legend and half nightmare. And it was said that even the father abbot himself would flatly refuse to treat a snake, no matter how bad its condition might be. Now, I guess I'm kind of wondering why. Now, not because snakes eat mice, because they'll treat a hawk. 
yeah. a hawk is just as bad. Right. But in Red Wall, it seems like birds of prey are treated like they can kind of go either way morally, or at least if they gotta eat meat, only eat the bad guys, or stick to fish, you know, unlike in reality, and snakes just are a predator without any nuance to it. Some of the Red Wallers thought that the adder is a mythical reptile, but some of the older, wiser ones, you know, would assure them that it's a fact. And Matthias thinks it sounds even scarier than Clooney the Scourge. And how is he, a mouse, going to take a sword from an adder? Anyhow, <clears throat> Matthias is thinking about all these things, but gradually sleep overtook him. <clears throat> and then he was woken up because the king wanted to see him. And the two sparrows that went to get him, you know, were talking about killing him too. And it's like, not before I see the king you won't, the young mouse retorted. And uh, one of the sparrows said, if they leave him alone, if you kill him, the king will kill us. <clears throat> so anyhow, King Bullspera had finished napping, and it suddenly hit him like a ton of bricks that the mouse was wearing a belt. And it was the same belt that the sword case in this chair is from. Uh, Matthias gets there, and the the only bit of even light in the chamber is because the moonlight is hitting a piece of broken mirror in there. And the king is just... grabs Matthias by the belt from behind and whispers in his ear, where mouseworm get belt. And Matthias um, tries to play it off and say he's had it for a long time and he doesn't know where he got it from. And the the king knows he's lying. And it's like, where'd you where'd you really get it? And Matthias is like, I don't have any more nuts. I could give you the belt and let me go free. And the sp the sparrow king says it's the sparrow law that I sh should kill you, but I'm a good majesty, a no-killy mouse, give belt to king. Really, I think whatever protection this bird has for his flock is not enough to be worth this. Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, Matthias takes off the belt, gives it to the king, and he's all, like, looking at his reflection in the mirror. Yeah, saying the king the king looks fine, like a mighty warrior, and not look so good on mouse, the belt doesn't. Um and so yeah, he, he enjoyed the flattery. And then he questioned Matthias again about does he know of great sword? And anyhow 
Matthias plays innocent on that. And uh, he's noticing that the king actually used his real name. Yeah. I'm not sure what the significance of that is, but it does mean the king has been paying some amount of attention to right. his surroundings. Like, as Dunwing said, only pretending to be stupid. Mm-hmm. And Matthias says, I don't have more nuts, I don't know about the sword, I don't even have the belt. I'll die if I don't get to go free soon. Just let me go home. And the king uh, likes Matthias looking all sad like that. And oh, he's fooled the mouse into giving him a sword belt and then the nuts. And he's a fine bird. And uh, he whistles two of his warriors. And they to come in and look at this mouseworm. He's not happy that I spared him. Take him home to Dunwing. And maybe the mouse will find more gifts for good majesty who let live. From where? From the already ransacked bag? (coughs) Well, they found the nuts when it had been ransacked the first time already. So at this point, Matthias, you know, sees this as a big setback. He not only didn't get the scabbard or the sword, he doesn't have the belt anymore either. But he's planning on stealing the scabbard, so why not also steal the belt at the same time? And that's the end of the chapter. I think this is the longest chapter we've ever done in this. Yes. That was... That's like a... As long as like four chapters. Yeah, it's like 14 pages. So, next chapter. Um, back in the Abbey, Basil Staghair and Jess Squirrel. I'm going to hang out together a lot and... Um, no one whispering. knows what they're up to. But the fastest runner and the champion climber, you know, must be up to something spectacular. And Cornflower and Silent Sam are watching them. And she asks Silent Sam, well, what his mom and Baz- Basil are up to. But of course, he's Silent Sam, and he just shrugs and keeps drinking milk. Anyhow, um, Jess and uh, Basil were talking about, you know, it's up to woodlanders like us to keep Redwall and Mossflower the way it has been up until Clooney showed up. Um, they, they want a neighborhood that will be like this for the young'uns like Sam to grow up. So basically they they need to get rid of Clooney um, somehow, but it's up to up to the woodlanders to do it. Um, And oh, Clooney's a robber too. He stole Martin's tapestry and it occurs to Basil that it might put heart back into the Abbey mice if they could get the tapestry back. So that's what they put their plans to. And they sneak out without telling anybody out into the forest. And Clooney is up drilling his troops back at the church grounds with a battering ram. 
and his horde of warriors or soldiers or whatever you want to call it. Hapless rats. <laughs> uh, and a few other critters. Uh, they aren't doing the best of jobs at um, being put through their paces and his, uh, he decided that they were fat and lazy from laying around while he was confined to bed. So... And his weasels and ferrets and stoats, they're digging tunnels, but just at random. And, oh, the... The rats with the battering ram marched straight into a tunnel from the tunnelers. And he's just going to keep drilling them until they can get it right. Basil and Jess show up. And they actually uh, are spying across the common land to where the army was exercising. <laughs> Clooney is whipping an unfortunate um, battering ram rat that can't tell his left from his right and made a mistake with the ram. Well, that <laughs> That uh, rat that he whipped, um, he used, I believe, he used the um, the poison tipped. I don't think he did. He didn't. It doesn't say whether he did, but I don't think he was wearing it when he did. Unless he was going around in his full war armor all the time. But, oh, if he is using the poison tip, uh, yeah, good luck winning a battle with Redwall if you keep killing your own soldiers. I don't think he was wearing it. Yeah, Clooney had him stick out his paws, which paw is your left paw, and he's, the rat sticks out his right paw and gets whipped for that. And and Basil interrupts him and says, Tut, tut, officer striking an enlisted creature. Bad form, old chap. Thumping bad form. And Clooney whirls around and there's uh, Basil just standing there. And uh, Basil continues to taunt him until Clooney says, Get him and grab that spy. I want his head. What's the matter? Isn't your own head good enough? No, I don't suppose it is. Ugly looking brood, aren't you? <laughs> Any uh, mob of rats scrambled through the fence to catch Basil and uh, it was like trying to catch smoke upon the wind. He was there and gone. And Basil was fast and sometimes Actually, no, I'm thinking of the last Basil stag hair chase where he would slow down and then kick them when they nearly caught them. Well, Basil was trying to 
<coughs> Excuse me. Uh, he's trying to avoid uh, Clooney closer to further out to the common and closer to Redwall. And avoid being jabbed <laughs> by the banner pole which has the tapestry on it. And I've said before that except for this being the kind of book series that's got destiny and all that in mind, I think Basil could take Clooney in fight. Um... <coughs> And at that point, Basil steps into a hole and falls down hard. I don't need that. I just... Anyhow, when, when he goes into the hole, he kind of sprains his ankle or something to that sort. No, he's not going to be able to run fast after that. So he yells... Uh, out to Jess to uh, to run for it, and he will hold them off. And Jess is like, "No, if you're if you're staying, so do I." Well, first, Jess grabs the tapestry and pulls it right off, and um, so. Get- gives it to Basil and is uh, give me the decoy, hurry, and um, Basil takes the tapestry and reaches for something beneath his tunic and gives Jess a crude replica which is um, it's a dish rag from Far Hugo's kitchen and Basil drops out of sight and yeah, he's a camouflage expert so it actually was successful, his hiding and he says he'll meet her back at the abbey. And Jess goes up a tree. <coughs> and the rats are all trying to get her to come down. And she's throwing spiky chestnuts at them. And Clooney tries to make a bargain with her. Um, saying if if they win the war against the mice, they're gonna kill everyone inside of Redwall. And isn't there somebody that's you know close to her, a mate or a baby, family? And as you know, she has both. And she keeps throwing nuts. And. Clooney says that her loved ones will be safe if she hands over the tapestry. First off, I think he's lying. But of course. And she says, I don't care about the others at Redwall, but I've got a husband. I've got a small son. You wouldn't hurt them, would you? And she's kind of got a fake sob in her voice. and um, All this time, meanwhile, she's trying to buy time to for, for the for Basil to get away. <coughs> and then finally um she's like pretending to cry and holding the dishcloth and said, If I have your promise that your that the family are gonna be safe, you can have this. It doesn't mean anything to me and she drops the dish rag and 
Clooney, and runs away into the trees, and Clooney grabs it, and he realizes what it is, and he totally flips out, and is shredding it to pieces. And then Chess is like, yeah, it's worthless trash, just like you, the real tapestry is back at Redwall, you've been fooled. And Clooney, of course, calls for them to kill her, and she's run away by the time they can um, throw any spears or anything at her. They're back to the Abbey. She's reunited with Mr. Squirrel and Silent Sam. Who smothers her with kisses. Basil Staghair gets an enormous amount of food and has a much bigger bandage on his leg than he actually needs, but he's trying to milk this a bit. And or Silent a lot. Sam actually pops up next to Basil and shows him a small scratch, and Basil calls it a war wound. And it's, and, yeah, uh, you, you get a lot of food too. Yeah, and... you should join in with me. And uh, old Methuselah was working at repairing the tapestry. And then Jess, she <coughs> she goes to um, Far Hugo, and her face looks um, all sad. And she says, Far Hugo, old friend, brace yourself. I'm the bearer of tragic news. And it, Hugo is, of course, expecting actual tragic news, and he's alarmed. Tell me, Jess, what dreadful thing has happened? I fear that Clooney tore up one of your oldest and most venerable dish rags. Alas, Redwall will never see it wipe another plate. And behind the friar's back, Basil and Sam were almost choking with laughter in the middle of an apple cream pudding. And in the great hall, Methuselah is sewing the broken part of the tapestry back in with a needle and thread to where it's supposed to be. And that chapter ends. I will say, yeah, it's a symbol of that the mice take heart from, but I get the impression that Martin is in some way with the tapestry. I mean, I'm not, I don't know how that's supposed to work, but I think that's the implication. Like, it, it impacts whether his spirit is, um, with Redwall or not. Um, chapter 18, back with Matthias and the Sparrows. And Matthias is, uh huddled deep into Dunwing's nest and he wishes he was back at Redwall and then and he wonders if he'll ever see his own bed again and suddenly Dunwing comes wakes him up really abruptly and this is you're going to escape today and she has a plan for him to get out, and he asks her what sort of plan it is. And she says, you're not going to go back through the loft door because the king is angry and he piled a lot of slate on top of it. And the door's not going to open now. But her plan is to uh, send Warbeak 
to Methuselah and just squirrel tell tell Methuselah to send just squirrel up to uh, rescue him with rope from the rooftop and but meanwhile she was going to spread a rumor around that Asmodeus uh, As- was out dying yeah and that the sword was with Asmodeus but Asmodeus was dying out in the woods of Mossflower and so basically all they'd have to do is send the warriors to uh, finish off Asmodeus at the most and get the sword back. Now none of this Mm. being true. And Matthias would go to the king's chamber, get the sword case, get the belt and then, you know, meet Methuselah and... And this is while all the warriors um, are off you know, helping the, the, the king and apparently the way sparrows are is that a rumor can start and nobody will know where the rumor started from and it'll become common knowledge to the whole flock um, otherwise you know it would be very dangerous because uh, nobody knows supposedly knows that the sword is missing um, so if if the rumor got back to Dunwing, it would prove that Dunwing knew. And Warbeak took the <coughs> collar off of Matthias's neck and said, no, no, Mouse friend set me free, now me set you free. Warbeak, go now, Matthias, good worm hunt. And Matthias says farewell in the sparrow language. Matthias, look for Warbeak. See, someday you go now. Be brave, egg chick. Mighty sparrow warrior, great friend. And then Warbeak left too. And then Dunwing takes Matthias quickly to the chamber. And they don't see the the um, scabbard at the chair. And he doesn't see the belt either. But there's very little in the room to hide something in. And he thinks that King Bull must have taken them with him. But Dunwing said no. That he had flown off without anything. And they look through the old chair and... Because he hides stuff under it sometimes. And they were shredding the chair with their claws and beak and... Um... They found the scabbard and the belt. It was like underneath the chair tucked in... <clears throat> kind of in the underside. And then Matthias has to climb out like under the eaves onto the roof, which is like a very precarious like go up over the gutter. Yeah, that that's not a not a safe thing at all. And Matthias tries and but then uh, Warbeak uh, sends Matthias back to get the rope from his uh, rucksack and the rope is tied around Matthias and then Warbeak is holding onto the rope up, a, up above on the roof but uh, 
things are going well until Matthias gets a hold of the gutter and the gutter breaks away under the weight of the mouse. Which makes me wonder. <laughs> How good is this gutter? It's supposedly set in stone. A mouse doesn't weigh that much. And you'd think a heavy rain would put more pressure on it than uh, anything else. But, so, <clears throat> anyhow, he starts to fall. And, um, so Dunwing kind of shoves the rope into, like, the gutter crack thing and then secures it more by kind of wrapping it or something. I will say mice are better climbers than you would think. Yeah. I've seen a mouse go straight up like a a rough, like... Go up a wall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was actually outside of a, a little mall and the mouse was just like going up the wall. Anyhow... After um, Dunwing secured the rope into the broken gutter. And the, the broken stone is wearing through the rope. Which, once again, you think, wow, that's a pretty weak rope for that to happen that but quickly. Dun but Dunwing is pushing Matthias from underneath by flying and fluttering underneath, I guess. <coughs> and... Uh, Anyhow, Matthias got up just as the rope was cut through, but in, at the broken spot. And she can, he can see Jess Squirrel is starting to climb up to help him. And he's calling for her and waving his paw. And Jess is trying to get up, but her tail is being blown by the wind and it's hampering her. And it's not Jess Squirrel that hears... Matthias calling. It's King Bull. It's King Bull, that's right. He's yeah. angry, he didn't find the sword, he didn't find the snake, he knows he's been had. And... Anyhow... Oh, Matthias is saying he's got the scabbard, and Bull sees the scabbard and the belt, and he is angry. Yeah, he's been duped, and he flies way up and then dove down and pierces Matthias's shoulder with his beak. <clears throat> and Matthias used the scabbard to fight off the king, knocking the king senseless. And the king fell from the roof, but his claw was caught in the sword belt. And so they both fell off the topmost point of the abbey roof off into space, and that's the cliffhanger end of this chapter. Um, so, chapter 19, Chicken Hound, in the, who was left in the infirmary. To his own devices. He's gotten up and he's gotten himself a sack and he's putting various, um, what he's seeing as treasure into the sack. Like a silver plate, a gold necklace, a green glass vase, and, um, all sorts of little, uh, mementos that uh, the Redwall occupants had collected over the years. You know, things that meant something to them. Although I kind of think <clears throat> that with maybe the exception of the silver plate and the gold chain, these momentums 
mementos probably wouldn't have had that high a value in, you know, trade wherever he's trying to... Wherever he's planning to sell these. The Abbey is not known for being that rich, you know, monetarily. Right. Like, they have food, they have <clears throat> semi-security, and they got a few mementos, but they don't have, you know, they treasure like a pirate king or... They don't a lavish life, but they do have a full life. And, oh, he's uh, giggling to himself and putting things in the bag and thinking about how he outwitted Clooney, he outlived his mom, he pulled the wool over an abbey full of mice, he's gonna become the fox prince of thieves. Anyhow, um, Chicken Hound makes his way down the stairs into the cavern hole, and it was already laid out for tea. He was trying the food and eating the things he liked and dumping or smashing the things he didn't. And he stole cutlery and cruets. And broke candles and smashed things on the wall. So, uh, not to defend thieving, but he's not a good one. Right. You know, a, a decent thief would go in, take the stuff that's valuable, be silent, and leave as little trace as possible. Be fast. And get in and out. And uh, he runs right into Far Hugo and turns around and runs and Far Hugo is calling Stop Thief, Stop the Fox. And um, Chicken Hound running away gets to Methuselah, who's just finishing up attaching the tapestry back together. Yeah, he had bounded up the stairs into the Great Hall, and Methuselah had heard um, the shouts, and he he just took a few steps to block the doorway. And then Chicken Hound... Um, did the unthinkable. Yes. He swung the heavy bag into Methuselah's head, striking a crushing blow. And Methuselah collapsed instantly on the floor and lay still. And he was dead. Uh, this is a little bit of a divergence from the TV series where Methuselah survived and lived for a little while longer. Well, Friar Hugo called him a murderer. Which he was at and that point. And Chicken grabbed the sack and fled the abbey, and he unbolted a door that was very hard to unbolt, but did, just as the Joseph Bell sounded the alarm. And... And is this all happening at the same time as Matthias is falling off the roof? Yeah. <laughs> basically. And... Anyhow... Um... The gate, the, the the door he had opened, not far from it, um, there was the hollow of a dead oak tree. Yeah, he's running through the woods, and he um, thinks that a hedgehog is following him, but he can smell badger, too, and he's terrified. He doesn't want to meet a badger. He gets into that hollow to hide. Um, and There's a space between the roots of the hollow and... Uh, 
he slung the sack down the hole, and then he dove in after it. And he thought, well, you know, that's, he's in a perfect spot there. And he held his breath as he could hear Ambrose Spike and Constance the Badger. And Constance is in starting to go into Badger rage and is ready to uh, shred him with her claws if he's caught. Yeah, actually, uh, she's referred to as a woodland juggernaut in uh, how, you know, she was at that moment. And anyhow, he stayed silent and he listened as the sounds trailed further away. And he thought, okay, he's, you know, uh, he's gotten away. He's gotten it. away and he's already making plans about how he's going to run a whole gang of robber foxes. And... He's going to get himself a cooler name, Red Flash or Night Fang or Mouse Death, and he likes that one. And they'd all admire him, and no one would know he was called Chicken Hound. No one would know about Sela. And then he reaches out to touch his treasures that he's taken once more, and he puts his hand on something that is not the bag of loot, Asmodeus. I think we all know what we we know what happened then. We know what happened then. And back at the abbey, they're in grief over um, they, Methuselah they, and, and um, Matthias too. Matthias. They found they found him. No, they they did not find uh, Matthias. They they. Um, they they think yeah, he's dead. The, yeah, well, but just the squirrel, when she saw him fall, she didn't see him fall totally because the way he was falling, it went out of her sight, you know, of vision. So she didn't see where Matthias or King Sparrow landed. She just saw them fall. And... So, the plan was that... Uh, They'd look for him the next day, and then they would the bury... Next, and they would bury Methuselah. Um, but, uh, anyhow, um, it was time for everybody to get a little sleep, because it had been, you know, one crazy day. Um, and, but Constance couldn't sleep. So, Brother Alf asked her to help him lay out all the fishing nets at the pond. And they're reminiscing about Matthias helping Brother Alf to catch the The grayling and... Anyhow, they get over there. Now, when I say lay out the fishing nets, it's actually to put them into the water um, where I guess they would leave them overnight and then bring in any catch in the morning or something like that. Well, get a higher higher yield of fish to feed the whole abbey than hook and line all the... Right. So, anyhow, they get there and they find King Bull Sparrow's body half in the pond and he had drowned and they pulled him out and they thought, why hadn't they thought to look in the pond for Matthias? So they get some otters to dive and search the water. And... Um, Winifred the Otter found Matthias half sunk in the water with rushes holding him up. And 
um, Winifred brought Matthias to the shore and meanwhile others searched and found the scabbard and belt were nearby too and that they were brought up and you know by then you know plenty of uh, the red wall occupants had gathered there you know to help look and anyhow the abbot asked cornflower for a lantern when when uh, Matthias was found and um, he takes the lantern and holds it up to Matthias's snout and he can see a little bit of mist from his breath mist. yep so he was alive he's alive and Constance carried Matthias back to Redwall Abbey now I find it it's I find it less surprising than you know some people might think that a mouse survived that fall because actually the smaller a creature weighs the less possibility of injury when it lands from a height. Now I'm not saying you should ever like drop any small animal from anywhere high. Oh, you should never drop an animal or anything, but like a mouse will probably be only frightened from a fall that would hurt a person or a larger animal just because it doesn't hit the with nearly as much force. And hitting water, I know, and I, I don't know the... The full physics the of it, but... It. If you hit water the right way, you're less likely to die from hitting the water from a great distance. If you hit the water a wrong way, then yes, actually hitting the water could kill you. But, um... He's alive. He is alive. And that's the end of that chapter. And we have one more chapter, chapter 20, to do. Short chapter, three pages. Um, so we still keep this podcast a reasonable length. Well, nice, uh, beautiful scenery description. Typical Brian Jakes of the countryside and the sky being blue-tinged with pink and the dewdrops and the spider webs. And Clooney doesn't care. He's... Just like, oh yeah, it's gonna be hot. At least it won't rain. And they gear up for battle and eat their food hastily, pick up their weapons. And, uh... Clooney gets his uh, war apparel put on. That's what he gets. His uh, personal armorer. Yeah. So that's it. He was not wearing his poison spike when he was hitting that rat back there. But he does get it on now. He's got it on now. And Kilconi the ferret has basically appointed himself as a drummer come soothsayer because uh, he, he found an old water butt and he uses using that as a drum. And he would... If he saw that uh, Clooney was about to speak, he would bang on the drum to get everybody's attention. You know, I don't think that's what a soothsayer is. To me, that means like a fortune teller, and I, you never right. see Kill Clooney doing any fortune telling. It, yeah. It's more like an announcer, but they say soothsayer, so... Yeah. Um, there'll be no mistakes, there'll be no retreat... We stay, even if it means putting a red wall to siege, we stand firm. Anyone who takes one backward step is dead. Anyone who dissipates orders is dead. Anyone who does not fight tooth and claw with all of his might is also dead. Uh, typical Clooney rant. And 
this is where I was mistaken before. Uh, a different uh, rat attack by Clooney. Um, one of the rats muttered under his breath that, uh, huh, lead us my foot. Last time we attacked, he stood well out of the way, back in some meadow. And Clooney's sharp ears caught what the unfortunate soldier had said. And uh, has him brought, um, yeah, he grabs the rat that said it, and he's like, no, I was only joking, I didn't mean it, and Clooney whips him with the poison tail barb, and he just shudders and is dead very quickly. I don't know what Clooney is putting on that barb, but it's strong. Uh, apparently stronger than the snake. I mean, with how fast that was. Anyhow, <clears throat> um, then it was decided it was going to be, well, they knew it already because they'd done it before. It was going to be a long march to Redwall, especially being burdened with the battering ram and all the paraphernalia of destruction. I, and they would have to camp overnight by the roadside. Hey, what was it? A whole tree trunk they're carrying, right? Yeah. And um, the army was to be seen marching boldly up to the very gates of the abbey in full array with the ram because, you know, that's what they want the mice noticing and ignoring the tunnelers. Yeah, there'd be no secrecy. And, um... On the red wall, smash the gates, kill, kill. And the whole... Horde is chanting, Clooney, Clooney, kill, 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 and the chapter is over. And the next time we uh, podcast on this, we will be doing the last chapters of book two, or part two, if you want to say, of Redwall, and then we'll move on to book three. But uh, next time will be the last few chapters. It'll be only four chapters, right? I believe so, yeah. It, three, it, three chapters. Oh yeah, it goes through chapter twenty-three. So, so we'll we're gonna go through be different from our usual five chapters at a time, just to keep the um, the sections of the book divided evenly. Still. So, um, anyhow, thank you for listening. Um, please follow follow us. Um, message our Facebook anytime. Join our group, Cast It Into the Fire Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Any feedback. Any questions, anything you'd like us to cover, any of it, we'd like to hear it. And as a, a slight note, slight side note, um, most of you may not know that uh, Sarah has started a Redbubble um, account with... Uh, it's called Nims Nature. There's, there's no space between Nims and Nature, no apostrophe... And it's nature photography, so like close-ups of berries and herbs and frogs. Snake, uh, her, her pet dog, Nim. Um, and these items, these, these uh, pictures can actually be put onto shirts, onto collectible pins, stickers. You, there's like 70 different things. So, uh, uh, none of them are red wall specific, but we got you know, herbs and berries and um, 
it's, plants. It's, it's kind of got the, the same kind of nature aesthetic that a lot of uh, the Brian Jakes books are talking about. Um, Anyhow, I uh, thought we'd put a plug into this because that's something new this week. Thank you for listening to Cast Into the Fire podcast and have a good day. Bye-bye.